morning, church family. Come on, isn't the Lord good? I said, isn't the Lord good? The Bible says that his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. That means that no matter what it is that you are facing in life right now, today can be a new day. Today you can walk in his freedom. Today you can walk in the victory and the power of the Holy Spirit because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Amen? Church, I don't think that I need to remind you, but look, we're on the winning team. Like I have read God's word from cover to cover, and can I just tell you, God wins. He wins. And that's why we can confidently say, I can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Because we serve a God who promises to never leave us nor forsaken us. And he has given us his power through his precious Holy Spirit in order to accomplish all that he has called us to. Now, hey, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed this series. Have you guys enjoyed this series all in? I have loved it. And if you're just joining us, we've been journeying. Uh, chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. And I love how God's word gives us a historical account of the early church, but even more so how that it provides for us a template in how we should live our lives. You've heard me say this before, but God's word was never written just for information, but rather for transformation. Because God is far more interested in our hearts than he is our education. Now, having said that, why don't you turn with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 16. Last week, we did the first half of Acts 16, and this week, we're going to cover the second half. So while you're turning there, let me just share with you a story I heard several years ago about a pastor who had taken on a new church. Well, this pastor decided one Saturday that he wanted to go out and to meet his new congregation. And all went well until he came to one home where it was obvious that there was someone there, but no one answered, even after a lot of trying and knocking. And so the pastor took out his card, and he wrote on the back of the card, Revelation 320, and he stuck it inside the door. Then the next day, following Sunday service, the pastor was counting the offering, and he saw his card stuck in the offering plate. And he noticed that below his message was a notation. It said Genesis 3.10. So the pastor opened up his Bible, read it, and fell to the floor laughing because the pastor's note, Revelation 3.20, says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. And then the church members verse, Genesis 3.10 said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. <laughs> come on, laughter is good medicine for the soul, amen. All right, you should be in Acts 16 by now. Let's pick up where we were last week, verse 16. The scripture says, and we were going to the place of prayer. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. 
She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very hour. Now, can I just stop here for a moment and say that just because something sounds like it's from God doesn't necessarily mean that it is from God. Are you with me? Now, I point this out because we now live in a generation where there are a lot of voices out there declaring things to be God, and they simply aren't. I like to call them TikTok theologians. Or they'll use scriptures just like the Pharisees did and just like the devil did whenever he was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. But they'll take it out of context and then they'll say it with such confidence that the young, the ignorant, and the undiscerning will believe it to be true. In our text today, the scripture says that this slave girl kept saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, on the surface, this would appear as if this young girl here was advancing kingdom causes, right? But how many of you know that you can say something and just because it's true, you can say it in such a way that it brings about more harm than good? Paul and Silas didn't want this attention that was being brought upon them. And not only that, but did you notice that it says that they were on their way to prayer when this happened? Isn't that interesting? You see, the devil will try to use something that sounds as if it's from God, but really what this was doing was serving as a distraction from what really was God. And I share this with you because, watch, the devil doesn't have any new tricks. He is still working hard at keeping men and women from praying. And here's the sad thing. Most people would hear that and they would say, well, that's not me. I'm not going to let the devil keep me from praying. Oh, really? So, like, I'm just curious. If I, if I were to ask, I'm not going to ask, but if I were to ask, I wonder how many people could raise their hand if I asked who spent 15 minutes in prayer yesterday. Don't raise your hand. That's rhetorical. Because some of the same people who would say, well, the devil won't keep me from praying, aren't grabbing hold of the fact that he's already doing it. Is it okay if I challenge us a little bit, church body? You say, but pastor, my, my kid had an early game yesterday. Or my tea time was the only one they had and it was early. Where I had to wake up and make a big breakfast for everyone. Where it's my only day to work around the house. Where it's my only day to sleep in. Where it's the nicest beach day that we've had in months. But it sure was nice yesterday though, wasn't it? <laughs> Hey, I get it. I can relate to like every single one of those points. And now watch this. I'm not saying that it has to be the first thing in the morning either, okay? However, you know what I have found? I found that if I don't do it in the morning, the tendency is for most people to forget about it. Because if your life is anything like mine, like life just gets busier with each hour of the day. Anyone relate to that? Now, church, I bring all this up in order to really provoke thought and self-examination by asking ourselves, am I being distracted for what God has called me to? 
Am I saying yes to some good thing when God has called me to something much greater? You see, I've been doing a lot of self-examination lately. And I've come to realize that I am getting distracted on almost a daily basis. Now, my distraction isn't necessarily going to be the same distraction as yours, but I've started to really identify a few of the sources. Notice that when Paul recognized the source, he was able to deal with it. Because did you notice that the problem wasn't the girl? That's why he didn't speak to the girl. He spoke to the spirit that had control of her. I mean, Paul wasn't going to be able to just sit down and have a meaningful conversation with this girl in hopes of her stopping. Are y'all with me? Hey, I tried to do that last week. Hello? Huh? Didn't work. Matter of fact, let me just throw out a little bit of truth since I've got this opportunity, all right? Um, and this is just going to be good life lesson all the way across the board for you, church. If you ever feel the need to address something that you disagree with, be biblical about it. Let me say that again so you get this in your spirit. If you ever feel the need to stand up and to disagree with someone, it's okay to have disagreements. Like, I have disagreements with myself all the time. You know what I'm saying? But look, if you're going to disagree with someone, be biblical about it. The Bible says that if you have a disagreement with someone, first go to that person. Do it in private. And then if you can't reconcile it, then you need to go and you need to get an elder or two and go and then talk it over with them. Like bringing it uh, before the whole church. Like if, you, if you've not done these other things first, you're out of order. Are y'all with me on that? That's why I shut that down last week. That was out of order. I, it's, just, it's okay if I just give some good biblical teaching here and, and so you understand why I was doing what I, I was doing. Okay, all right. Paul recognized the source of his distraction. The exact same amount of phone calls per day. That's 24 different people. And that's not to mention, good Lord, about three times that on emails, right? And all the other different forms of communication that's out there and messenger and, and all those other things. By the way, if you ever want to get in touch with me, please don't send me a, a LinkedIn and a Facebook. I, I rarely even check that stuff. I've got someone, Ashley takes care of that stuff for me. Thank you, Ashley, for doing that. So if you're ever curious and you think I'm on social media all the time, it's not me, all right? Thank God I've got good team members that do this and takes the stuff that I preach and, and share it out there, okay? But here, here's, here's what set me free when, when, when I heard this, you know, was like, man, I don't have to respond right away. Now, you'd say, well, pastor, what am I supposed to do then? Do I, do I not respond? No, you respond, but watch this. 24 hours is an adequate amount of time for you to respond to someone's message, as a matter of fact, I don't even know how I feel about having this thing right here stuck on me all the time and all the cellular radiation that's coming off of it anyway. That's a whole other thing. But you know what? I'm starting to learn to do. I'm starting to put that thing. Say things like, but I can't share Christ with my coworkers. I might lose my job. Let me ask you something. Can you imagine, like, do you think that excuse is going to fly with God once we stand before him one day? I've been just asking. God, I didn't share your son with my coworker because I wasn't allowed to share my faith at the workplace. I mean, I could have lost my job. Well, you might just lose something a whole lot worse if you don't. Because who else is going to share Christ with them? 
Look, I'm not saying that you've got to do it on company time, okay? Hear me out here. Like, but how about maybe invite them over for dinner, right? Hey, would you like to come over to my house? Hey, you want to watch March Madness and watch Kentucky win the championship this year? <laughs> Don't be hating. <laughs> but watch how sad would it be to know that there are people that we work with every single day who may be slipping into eternity without knowing Jesus simply because we were afraid something because we might lose our job. Look, if you lose your job for the sake of the gospel, I can assure you God will give you another one or a better one. Are, are y'all with me this morning? Because I've heard that. Y'all heard that excuse before? Man, don't buy into that lie. Look, invite them over for, for lunch if you don't want to open up your mouth about Jesus. Say, hey, let's go out for, for, for dinner tonight or something. Look, Paul and Silas were indeed disturbing their city, but their city needed disturbed. Because here we have uh, a city that is looking to a demonic fortune teller in order to give them direction and also uh, to, to make money. Not to mention the government and the leadership uh, there in that city was full of corruption. But as we'll see later on, their so-called disturbance led to many people coming to Christ. Verse 22 says, the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, let's just consider this for just a moment. Paul and Silas go and set Easy to, to have something like that happen and then be tempted to think, well, bless God, I tried to help someone out, and that's the thanks that I get. But watch this, friends. We don't really do it for them anyway. What we do, we do as unto the Lord. I mean, in everything that we do, we do it for the Lord, and we do it even if it costs us something. Paul and Silas's good deed cost them something. It cost them being beat for starters. Like the Bible says that they were beat with many blows from the rods. Now understand something. Being beat with rods, that wasn't like getting a switching when you were a kid. right? How many of y'all got a switching whenever you were a kid? For the young generation, you have no idea what that is. That's when you go and tear a little limb off of the tree and you get your butt busted with that. Yeah, I hated those. But can I just tell you that? that it, it, that's not the same as what we're talking about here. Like being beaten with a rod, that was brutal. It was brutal and it was a painful experience that often resulted in uh, lacerations and broken bones. Like it would have entailed a significant amount of, of pain and, and trauma. So much so that they say that a person really might not even be able to stand or move after having received these blows. And then if that wasn't enough, they threw him into the prison with their feet in stocks. But I can't just help but to ask, like, what would you do if that happened to you? 
works, as Psalm 139 says, before yet one of them comes to pass. And so as such, we should be ready at a moment's notice to move when God says move, to speak when God says speak, to serve when God says to serve. Now listen, I know that what I'm saying this morning, this may sound a little radical uh, for some, but look, God is looking for a few good men and a few good women who are willing to lay down their life if needed. I'm talking about those who would say, yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. Let me be your vessel used for your glory. Use me. And if you would say yes, then guess what? You might just get to experience some of the same things that we're reading about here with Paul and Silas. I hear so many people say, well, I've never seen things like that. And I said, well, have you ever prayed like that? Well, I've never witnessed a miracle. How many times have you been on your face before the Lord? And look, I think that everyone in this room Or something, but it's the presence of the Lord. You say, I don't know if I want that. Oh, taste and see. Oh, yeah, you do. Because whenever it hits you and the presence of the Lord's on you, you don't want anything else. Like, I'm telling you, that's why Peter said, uh, Jesus said to Peter, where are you going to go, Peter? These guys are leaving me. You're going to leave me too? Peter says, Lord, you got the words of life. Where else can I go? You're it, man. You're the wellspring. You're the alpha, the omega. You are the one true God. And whenever we seek him, we search after him with all of our heart, man, he will wreck you in such a beautiful way. You've just got to long for him and hunger for him. As my, as the, so, as my, the deer appended for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Church, I want to challenge you, if I could, seek God. Like, get in your prayer time with God. Like, let me just tell you, the, the experience is probably not going to happen on a Sunday morning. Like, it may, but the times that I've really experienced the presence of God has been when it's just me and a handful of people that I pray with or me and, and, and Jesus. 
And then he will wreck you in such a good way. And see, so many people right now, I look around. I don't know if you notice this, but so many people shaking their head like, mm-mm, because they've been wrecked. Come on, how many of y'all been wrecked before? Put your hand up. Now watch this. Look around the room. Put your hands down now. Did you see that, those of you that's like, this doesn't quite make sense? All these people ain't lying. They've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Schedule that time to meet with him. You say, I don't even know what that looks like, Pastor. Look, just show up. That's what that means. Just like you would have a date. Come on, you know how to schedule a date. Schedule a date with Jesus. And sit down and open up the word of God. And let, you know what? I remember one time I went dancing with a professional dancer one time many, many, many years ago. I was like, man, I don't know how to dance. The person says, it's not a problem. Come on out. I'm going to lead you. And went up there and they just led me. I was like, oh, wow, I guess I can dance. The reality was I couldn't dance. They were just leading me. Let, let Jesus lead you. Just show up and he'll take lead. Amen? All right, I got to try to find out where we're at. Well, let's see here. Where are we at? Where are we at? Verses 25 and 26. That looks like a good place to jump in. All right. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now, did you catch that? Like Paul and Silas were just beaten. No one got to tend to their wounds, and they didn't get hooked up with any Tylenol. And let me just ask you, what do you think was going through the mind of these prisoners? I mean, here are two guys that's been beaten half to death, and here they are at the midnight hour praying and worshiping God. And then what happens next? The Bible says that a great earthquake hit so much so that it shook the foundations of the prison. And then immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. I mean, think about that, right? Think about that. There you are. Whoa, those dudes just got beat to death, man. There's blood everywhere. There's a bloody trail from the moment they walked right past me all the way to the inner courts because that's where they put them was the inner prison so that they wouldn't get away. And there's the blood trail dripping. And they're in there singing. And they didn't do anything wrong. It'd be one thing to be like, what did those guys do? Well, they helped that girl out. You remember the, the girl who's a...
hurricane would not hit their city because it was scheduled to come to their city based on the predictions and all the patterns. And so... Um, This pastor uh, prayed that it wouldn't, and he said something to the effect of, I command that hurricane to go out into the sea in Jesus' name. Kind of much like Jesus said to do with the mountain, to be cast up into the sea if you would speak those things right. And so it's very biblical. And my childhood friend media and pleaded for everyone to pray for her that those would not come their way. So now all of a sudden he temporarily believes that our prayers can make a difference. Isn't it interesting that some people don't believe in miracles until of course they need one. By the way, the hurricane didn't hit, and his sister ended up being okay. Amen. Thank God there were some people that were praying. Let's read the rest of the story. Verse 27, we're going to read through maybe 34. It says, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew out his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. How many of y'all are praying for some household salvations right now? It says, And then he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that they had believed in God. Wow. What a story. Paul and Silas, they tend to a disturbance from what some thought was God, which actually wasn't God, but Paul discerns what it really is and commands the demon to leave the girl. This good deed then leads to them being arrested and beaten with rods. God, they sing hymns at the midnight hour. And the prisoners watch in amazement. And while all this is happening, the earthquake hits. The foundations of the jail is, is shaking. And every gate opens and every chain is broken. When the jailer saw what had happened, he went to go take his own life because he knew that the corrupt leadership there would have certainly tortured him and killed him, 
for allowing that to happen. But when Paul and Silas sees the man, they stop him, and they share the gospel with him and his family so that they all put their faith in Christ. And now we see this jailer washing Paul and Silas's wounds. I mean, just stop and think about that for a moment. This whole story right here is one of forgiveness and redemption. Like first we have Paul and Silas who were beaten and thrown into the jail. God gets them out. And Paul could have easily said, let's roll, Silas, and just let the wind be at their back, right? But Paul was aware of the fact that the jailer would have certainly faced being tortured, if not executed, due to their escape because Philippi was a corrupt city. But Paul didn't allow that to happen. He stayed, waited, showed compassion on the very one who took part in his suffering. And then you have the jailer who had a sword on him. Here to earth. I said this at the beginning of my message that the book of Acts is the template for how we're called to live. It's not just. And a historical account of the first church. It's the blueprint of the church. In short, what it is is a call to be all in. To be willing to do anything and everything for the advancement of the kingdom and the spreading of the gospel. 